Welcome back to another School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined as always by Matthew Chandler. And this week, uh, we're getting uh, on Brian Foley, another uh, RBM contributor. Brian, how are you doing today? Um, great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I get to follow an Everton win, so, you know, it's always a little bit more fun to have these conversations. Less doom and gloom today. Yeah. Yeah. hollow Everton win would have asked for. Yeah. It's a win. We're just going to find it as a win and move on. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the podcast there. Yeah, yeah right? that's all you guys need to know. We're done. That's it. Goodbye. <laughs> um, but you're right. A win is a win is a win, I think, as you put in the, uh, in the chat yesterday. And, um, you know, obviously not what we would have liked. We would have liked a little bit more dominant performance. But uh, Everton beat Rotherham 2-1 in extra time. Um, eight changes from the West Ham loss. Olsen in for Pickford, which was expected also. Um, Olsen in for Pickford. The one really that I don't think any of us expected to see was Dean in for Holgate. We didn't expect to see him back uh, so soon, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Keen for Mina, Gomez for Decore, uh, Rodriguez for Sigurdsson, Gordon for Bernard, um, Tosun for Calvert-Lewin, and Awobi for Richarlison. So uh, pretty wholesale changes there. Tosun opened the scoring in the ninth minute when it looked like Everton were um, in good form, looked like things were, were moving in the right direction. Things kind of changed. Matthew Ola Sunday, um, he scores in the 56 minutes to tie things up for Rotherham. Uh, despite an off, uh, despite a goal scored by Cenk Tosun, he was ruled offside. So this one goes in extra time. And then Ducore scores uh, three minutes extra time in extra time after coming off the bench. Um, and Everton win this one two to one. Um, you know, a terrible performance, but we get through it, which is the most important thing. Um, but it was, you know, needing extra time to beat the second bottom team in the championship is not exactly what you wanted. Brian, we'll start with you. What was wrong with this performance? Um, it, it was really besides those first few minutes, like you said, where it felt like we were going to be able to execute the basic things, um, you know, before we move, you know, it was a good finish by, uh, Tosun, but we missed the dynamism of Decore in midfield. Um, and as we've continued to miss Allen, um, his, his ability, and we can talk about it more later, but both of those guys' ability to carry the ball forward, beat a line, and make the next pass, um, you know, uh, just – I know we're going to talk about Andre Gomes later, but, you know, I, I just – if you know anybody that writes obituaries, they might want to start like, you know, getting their pen together. But, but it is it just, you know, Tom Davies was Tom Davies, you know, which again is not a professional, you know, he's not a continual, you would think Rotherham would have been his level. Um, but uh, just, just, just a bit of malaise, um, you know, and then using the game at the same time as an opportunity to bring a Wobi and Luca Dean back and say, Hey, Let's get her. Oh, and, and Yamez, you know, hey, let's get a run out. You know, it, it was kind of a mixture of, of things that, um, you know, just felt like Carlo put the pressure on the guys a little bit and said, hey, here's what we're going to do go out and execute. And like, we, we didn't really do it. I mean, I understand why he played um, people like Dean and Rodriguez for this game because I think they've obviously just been injured. And then I think it's probably a good idea to get them get them going again in a game like this so they're not coming in straight into like Wolves on Tuesday having not played for however long six weeks or whatever 
So you want them to kind of build up a bit of a head of steam. So I get why he did that. But um, for me, it was just a, for such a sort of blase attitude I felt from Everton in this game. And it was it was so um, sort of, what's the word? Just half, just half-arsed. And that's not the word I was looking for, but just... Um, no, that's a good word choice. That's a good word choice. Yeah, okay. little, yeah it's just lethargic, and, and you know, if you look at like our our recent FA Cup campaigns or lack of campaigns, because more, more more often than not, just one game runs, aren't they? You know, they got beat by Liverpool's kids last year. Got beat by Millwall the year before. Uh, we we barely scraped past Lincoln that year as well. It just seems like I don't know why, but these. A lot of these players who seem to get opportunities in games like this just can't get get themselves up for this one. Actually, you know, like Brian said, this is a good chance for some of these kind of lesser-used players to to really give Ancelotti a headache. Going into games like Wolves and Aston Villa, um, you know, and I don't think Andre Gomez or Tom Davies, especially who started, did anything to really, you know, make their case for being in Evans midfield. I know he scored, but I don't think Chang Tosin did anything to suggest he should start ahead of Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, and even like even in some of the in the more like established and more trusted players, it just seems to be sort of a, a carelessness. You know, like ten minutes into the game, Michael Keane passes the ball straight to one of Rotherham's players. James Rodriguez. I know he, he, the assist he played for Decorey's goal was brilliant, but there's one point where it looked like he just fell over thin air. Um, you know, Bernard hits the post with an easy chance. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't like, I don't like this attitude because, as as a fan, I would, I personally would rather see Everton win the FA Cup than finish say like sixth in the Premier League. And while like your Premier League campaign is maybe a better barometer of, of your progress, you know, the, the cup competitions are where you can have more excitement. I think as a fan. For a team like, especially for a team like us, who you know probably not going to win the league, and we're not going to go, we're not going to go down or anything, are we? So, uh, kind of in that middle bracket where I think we've really got an excuse to go for the cups, especially this year when you, you would think with a compressed schedule that it's going to be even less of a priority for teams like Liverpool and Man City and Man United, maybe etc. You know, we should really go for it this year, and it just it didn't. That didn't rub off on the players. I don't think that enthusiasm that. I have, and I think a lot of Everton fans have for this competition. Um, it just seemed like we couldn't, we suddenly couldn't wait for the game to end, to be honest. And we were lucky, you know, as well. I mean, I thought Rotherham was a better team. Yeah. I'm sorry, No, go ahead. I was going to just follow up, Matt. I, I think we continually showed the difference between being um, a team with meaningful depth and being a team with players who come in to give other players rests. Because yeah. if Andre Gomes played the best that he could, played the best Andre Gomes, and you were like, do you think he should start over to Corey? You'd be like, absolutely not. Like, no, he can't. You know, that they're really just in there. And I think one, and that's, I'm not going to get into, like, the motivation of professional athletes, but it is. Like like you said, if Jink Tosin scored a hat trick, did, do you really think he starts against Wolves? Like, do you genuinely think Carlo Ancel? You know, like, no, I don't. No, but I think it, it gives Ancelotti more of a headache, and it maybe. I, I just think it gives him a more confident striker off the bench, which is good for. Yeah. Him. 
but but as far as like legitimate competition, and I go back to the Man U game, you know, the Man U lost that. Which one? When you turn to the bench and you look at who was coming in, you know, to change the game, and yeah. you know, you're trying to. Everybody jokes about a person like Edison Cavani hanging out on the bench. You know, people are like, "Oh, you wasted that money." And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking they're just bringing. You know, and we just don't have those, you know, we're, we just don't have that caliber of player. And I think that's, I think that that's where we have to get to, to really um, get the best out of every performance. Um, you know, and again, it's not making excuses, but I just, we don't have true depth. You know, we've got a quality 11, um, yeah. you know, you saw a piece go missing and Alex Awobi or Charleston, uh, Yamez, and you see how we struggle. So I'm with you. Yeah, but I, I think that is, I mean, we touched on this before, but I think that is a more long-term problem for Ancelotti to solve because uh, I, I always, I remember, I think when we had Paddy Boylan on the show, uh, do you know, I remember him saying that Everton couldn't sign like, you know, a whole new squad in like the summer, over the summer because we had like two weeks off and then back straight back to training. So there wasn't enough time anyway to get that many players to gel. And even when we did sign, like, you know, a whole new team, what, three years ago with Ronald Koeman. You know, that was a disaster and they ended up getting him sacked, didn't it? So I agree with Brian completely that we need better depth. But I also am not surprised that like a year into Ancelotti's reign, this is still the case because it's 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 not a quick fix. It takes time to bed players in and all the signings he's, been, he's made so far have worked, I think, but he has only made five signings. So to expect any more, I think, would have been. Uh, I'm not saying you have. I'm just saying. I think to expect like a whole new team to, to gel perfectly in, in the space of a year of Ancelotti's was never going to happen. Uh, and this is something that he needs to look at. I think over the next 12 months, which is you know building more of a squad rather than just a capable first 11, which like you said, looks great when it's all you know firing on all cylinders. But you take one one piece of that jigsaw out, and it just you know the whole thing just collapses, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we talk about this. I feel like we've talked about this a lot in terms of just how the depth has it was was going to be an issue. And obviously, the beginning of the season in those those early League Cup games, um, or when there was a lot of you know you know a lot of games going on to begin the season, and and we were switching players often. It looked all right, um, but obviously now we're seeing uh, you know the holes that we have in the depth and whatnot, and and. Um, it's clearly an issue, but like you said, Matthew, it's nothing that I think, I, I think we needed to fix a lot of things uh, last summer. And unfortunately without a long summer or transfer window, even with the long summer transfer window, I'm not sure even uh, if we would have been able to solve that. So um, definitely um, the depth is proving to be an issue. Um, you know, it looked like one more thing. Sorry. Just one thing I would say on that is the, a lot of these players are the same players who, who bowled it you know, at Liverpool last year in the Cup. Yeah. A lot of them are the ones who bottled it at Millwall. Yeah. You know, a lot of them who maybe didn't get the manager sack, but contributed to, like, the demise of Koeman or Silva, especially. So I don't really think we learned a lot, like, new about some of the players yesterday. I just think it's just more of an indication to me that a lot of them, you know, can't, have a place at Everton going forward because they don't have the mentality to to make their case to play when, when they do get a chance, um, yeah. and they wilt with you know we've seen them wilt before under you know even the slightest bit of pressure. So, 
Well, it's more of a wake up call. Yeah, go. On. Yeah, I mean, even but for the first ten minutes, you know, they controlled a lot of the game for the first ten minutes. But it looked like they scored, and they're like, "Oh, this will be easy," you know. And then they kind of expected yeah. it all to fall into place after that because they scored so quickly and so so easily on that first on that first goal. Um, I mean, also, you know, again, if we bring back uh, talking about uh, Chang Tosun, you know, I mean, it just shows how important Calvert-Lewin is even when he doesn't score, you know. I mean, there was nothing compared to what Calvert-Lewin was, could do on the field yesterday, holding up the ball. There was just waves and waves of pressure coming from Rotherham. And typically in that situation, you the ball's booted forward and Calvert-Lewin's there to hold the ball up or nod it on to somebody who can hold the ball up and, and Chank just isn't able to do that. And, and obviously, you know, maybe we don't need another striker like that, but it does prove how important is how important Calvert Lewin is, even when he's not scoring goals, just the way he plays. Um, but definitely, um, you know, not exactly what we wanted from this match. Um, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I don't know. If, was there too many changes, Matthew? Um, or, you know, was this just a, you know, I mean, these, in my opinion, these guys should have been able to go out there and, and boss this side around, but they just, like you said, bottled it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think if you look at, I know we made eight changes, which would suggest like a big, um, big sort of drop off in quality, maybe. Yeah, but I don't think. Apart from maybe one or two, I don't think you could say like we were we were below full strength. I mean, Olsen and Pickford are probably on a on a par. I would say at the moment, is that fair? Yeah, um, you're nodding. Uh, I agree. Luca Dean, yes. yes. Dean is obviously our best left back. You know, Godfrey and Keane have played pretty much every game. Coleman's probably our only recognised right back that Ancelotti likes. Um, you know, Gomez, Rodriguez, it will be, you know, they played a lot of football. It's only really maybe Tosin and Gordon who are the are kind of the ones where you say, well, they're a level below what we normally play there. Um, so I think that maybe it's maybe that many changes to a team is reflected in maybe the disjointed nature of the team because they haven't played together. They haven't got that kind of rhythm with each other. You see the way like that Dean and Richarlison or even Dean and Bernard kind of combined down the left flank. If you haven't got those partnerships within your team, then you're always going to stutter, I think, on that show yesterday. But, you know, we sh- that excuse only goes so far when you're playing like a second bottom of the championship, doesn't it, at home? I mean, that team should be good enough to beat Rotherham. And it was, but barely. And that's an indictment on us. You know, I watched like 20 minutes with Marine before against Tottenham and you know, that's, they put more effort into that game than I think Everton put into one yesterday. And it's almost as if, you know, we're waiting just, just to, to score as if, you know, we think it's, it's a formality that we'll just, these teams will turn up and be beaten by Everton. But Rotherham worked so much harder than us yesterday and I almost felt sorry for them to end up with, with nothing because, um, I, you know, you can't blame Ancelotti really. It's the players' attitude was just, just quite lazy, I thought, yesterday. And, um, I don't know how much of that really you can put down to the changes or the amount of changes. I would say that there was a, a, a bit of a style change that, that happens. You know, when you go from Godfrey and Holgate being your outside backs back to Coleman and Luca Dean, 
you know, that, yeah. that really kind of all of a sudden, you know, Godfrey's getting in there, but when he would get past midfield, he's going to stop, pull that back on his right foot and look to that interior pass. Luka Dean is running. He is going to the end line. He'll make those, you know, and, and that's a difference. But, you know, when Rotherham is pressuring us, and as you mentioned, even if uh, Tosun who struggled to hold the ball up, but even when he did, who was going to make the break to join him, if you will, especially through central areas? You know, Andre Gomes isn't going to turn around from the top of the 18 and make that 20-yard sprint to receive and help relieve that pressure again. Um, and, you know, even, even a Yamas Rodriguez. But, I mean, Ancelotti has outright said, when Yamas is on the field, I'm not going to. You know, so that's a conscious decision. But right now we're carrying other players as well. Um, you know, Davies should be more explosive, frankly, for his, for his age and abilities as we've seen at times. But his decision-making limits him so bad, and he chooses to be um, at times far too nonchalant. You know, it's almost like he – I feel like he might have bought in too much to Marco Silva, you know, kind of like the, you got this, like just kind of and, – and he does it at the worst time. And Holgate is also very – uh, culpable of, of making the same mistake, frankly, um, at, the, at times is, is frustrating. But, um, you know, all of a sudden we had uh, Seamus Coleman, who his recovery, you know, from his you know, shorter injury, uh, you know, has, he, he's brought back that true, you know, there were four, probably four or five opportunities we could have scored on created by his continued overlapping run. You know, he got to the end line and was getting off crosses and causing things and and that's different, and I don't think we had the legs to keep up, and we ended up in very unbalanced situations when we did have the ball. Um, and and um, what I did like is I liked Godfrey at center back, and I kind of would like to see him playing in the center midfield, to be honest with you, especially when Allen's not there. Yeah, just to um, kind of – because that's exactly where I was going with the style change. You know, when you have those outside backs – running up the side somebody needs to cover those outside positions and you know for some reason it it would be tom davies in the formation we played yesterday if i'm if i'm not incorrect um but you know you got tom davies gomez gomez and rodriguez in the middle we know rodriguez isn't going to put in as much of a defensive effort as some other midfielders um gomez is defensive i mean we've already talked about gomez we'll get a little bit more in him in a little bit um, and Davies just doesn't seem to be able to carry that defensive ability like a Ducore or an Allen to sprint to the sides of the pitch, cover that space in behind Dean or cover that space in behind Coleman to allow those. And, and for example, Ola Sunday was a huge factor uh, down that right side um, in, in, in that game um, again, in the game against Rotherham, Rotherham. So, you know, it's, um, I think that also, you know, to, to, to uh, you know, I guess add to your point, it also plays – that also plays into the style change and kind of relieving some pressure and, and just some of the differences we saw yesterday too. Um, go ahead, Matthew. Yeah, but I, I, I – probably Davies, I don't really know – still don't really know what kind of midfielder he is. I think he sees himself as maybe a more attacking midfielder than he gets given credit for sometimes. Like maybe maybe not a number ten, but like a number eight. Um, but yeah, you know we don't see it. We don't see it that often. And then the, the problem is, I I feel like Gomez's best games have maybe been where he's had Decore next to him or or Idris Gay next to him, because they have the sort of tenacity and the power and and the the speed to get around the pitch and and do 
do the sort of heavy lifting. I don't think Davies is that quick or quick enough to do that job anyway. So I think playing him in a midfield two with Gomez is kind of a recipe for disaster, as we saw yesterday. But then the problem is, the only really sort of capable midfielders we've got in that sense of are Decorey and Allen, because Sigurdsson, again, is you know pretty one-paced. Yeah. Uh, and then Davies mm-hmm. and Gomez, and that's pretty much it. Fabian Delphi is, but then he's always injured. So, um, again, this is just a depth issue, which I think will will work itself out over time, but we're just going to have to model on through with at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, About Davies, like for a guy that's played a hundred and like 15 Premier League matches, if you haven't figured out what kind of no, exactly. you are, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, and it's not as if he has not had a swing at every position, you know, at times <laughs> he's been asked to play, you know, more forward when, you know, in front of, you know, when we used to have, you know, Derek Barry, et cetera, sitting deep there. And now he's been asked to play as eight at different times and a double pivot. You know, he's been asked to do a lot of things and to his credit, he tends to, you know, show up, I suppose. Uh, but he just, he just hasn't proven, you know, I heard uh, somebody I respect say like professional athletes generally tend to have one great thing you know, at least one great thing, and then everything else is also pretty good, obviously. You know, Yamez Rodriguez can hit a ball like nobody else can, right? Everything else, and then he's figured out ways to put himself in positions to do that. Theo Walcott figured out how to get in behind. What is Tom Davies great at? And frankly, what is he, like, really good at? You know, <laughs> you make that nice pass, etc. but, like, the worst thing that ever happened to him was that goal against Man City, I think. I think it completely skewed people's expectations of how he could impact and how he might be part of a game. And it might have gotten to him as well. And, and I just, you know, I don't mean to just drag on him, but, it, but it's, again, when you're playing Rotherham, we should be coming away going, yeah, Davies and Gomes were able to swing the ball around, et cetera. But Tom, um, Gomes' best attribute used to be the ability to, when you were tight, remember I used to just like power through those turns, take that step and be two yards away from somebody. And then he had time to kind of make his distribution. And now it feels like he gets down, he makes that turn, he touches it away, and they still catch up and they get the ball from him. You know, then he, he has now lost the thing that he was great at. He can't his, turn people anymore. Yeah, his distribution used to be, I think that's what we, you know, Harold did when he first came, before the injury, of course. Um, I think that was the big thing, was just how he was able to find that space and distribute the ball from the midfield. And it just feels like he just can't do that anymore. Um, you know, he... I mean, time and time again, we've complained about him this season. Is this the end for him, for Gomez? Is this like we're starting to see the end of him in an, in an Everton shirt? Um, is, this, is this the writing on the wall? I don't see a way back for Gomez just because of how it hasn't seemed like easily redeemable now for well, almost the year that he's been back. Like, I remember how good he was in that sort of cameo in his first game against Arsenal. After the injury last February, but then you almost wonder was that just kind of playing on adrenaline and emotion and, and just you know the, the sheer relief to be back from such a debilitating injury? Because since then, they just kind of I mean, we should I mean, it's can't just blame on the injury, I think, because I think even before he got the injury, there were there were issues with his kind of yeah, his maybe his end product, even though his role isn't necessarily to score or, or assist, but um. 
I certainly think his best games for Everton probably the year he was on loan. He, he had kind of faded last season, even before the injury. Um, but he just looks so... He looks shocked when people take the ball off him, I notice. He looks shocked to have men around him. He looks kind of... He looks like he's only just woken up. You know, he doesn't look kind of ready to... Ready for a football match or ready for like the, kind of the cut and thrust of a FA Cup game or a Premier League game. Um, I don't, I don't see a future for Gomez just because I don't think, whether it's through the injury or not, I just don't think the league suits him. I don't think English football suits him. I think he doesn't have the agility or the pace playing this. And, and you know, while I've criticised people like Gilfie Sigurdsson a lot, um, he is, he is, you know, he, should, he, I don't think he should have a future at Everton either. He, and is, you know, similarly slow to Gomez. But at least with Sigurdsson, you get these, you know, these occasional moments of, of quality, like at Sheffield United or, you know, those the kind of those long range wonder goals that he scored for us. You don't really get, you don't really get anything from Gomez now. And that's, it's really sad because he's such a nice fella. And he, he was such an enjoyable footballer to watch when he's played well for us. But I just don't. I don't see what he doesn't offer anything. I don't think to the midfield. I mean, he doesn't. He can't tackle. Doesn't really. It barely passes forward. He doesn't shoot. You know, I don't. I don't see any anything. That, and that maybe is a bit of a basic sort of um, you know judgment of a of a mid, of a Premier League midfielder. But I don't. I just don't see what he offers in any kind of department for Everton anymore. And I don't, it's, you know, it's not someone I hate or, you know, I can't stand when he gets picked because I, I like him and I want him to do, to do well. But he just doesn't look, you know, a good fit for what I want to be anymore, unfortunately. I also think you hit the nail on the head with the comparison to Gilfie because I think the offering of the contract towards Gilfie or any kind of is, is kind of that battle over who might hang around for two or three more years and be somebody who can jump in hopefully as we, you know, build – uh, you know, more true depth around. And um, it's it's frustrating, too, because it feels like all of these decisions that they're forced that, you know, Ancelotti's forced to make as he kind of threads that needle between wanting to mix in people coming back from injury and people that don't have playing time and still wanting to advance um, in the cup is that people like Ellis Sims and guys that you would love to see us have the depth to be able, hey, we'll throw out a team and then throw Ellis Sims up top and give him – 60 minutes, you know, and give him the opportunity to genuinely play, you know, for, for a chance to be the sub, if you will, you know, and, and we don't have that luxury because if you would have, you know, I don't know if you would have done any worse than, you know, Nick Tosun, who to his credit took a nice finish and almost had two, but you know, those are the things that allow you to build that better depth. You know, it's, it's, you, you saw it happen when we were forced to do it with Nkuku uh, I believe that's how you say it, right? Um, you know, when he got a run of games, you know, back to the wall, um, you know, we can talk more about, you know, him in a bit, but like, but you, you just get the opportunity to see players forced by, you know, sometimes situations forcing players in, you know, keep players in, you know, like it, people step up to it, if you will, you know, that all, all you know, people need an opportunity. Um, and some people have had it, like we talked about with the Tom Davies, you know, where he's shown it but yet there's been no consistency there. So it's, you know, somebody like, can he do it, you know, a few times? Okay, he came in for the last 25 against, a, you know, a Gordon, those kind of players who um, you wish we could play more of because we had more, 
accountable depth. And, uh, and I think Gilfi kind of being in the look to be around for a few more years, I credit him because he's somebody who found, you know, ways to still work up and down the field. He's surprisingly like a big guy, you know, Gilfi physically, like he's not, you know, he's not a, uh, a weak guy. And how many games has the guy missed over time? You know, how many, in, you know, uh, he shows up every week. I hate to, to say that, but, you know, he's, he's been able to play and avoid long-term injury for a really long time. You know, he's had, he's had some stuff, and, and he's a durable guy. And but, uh, to me, you will hate seeing yeah. him. But that, I think, is the difference maybe with him and Gomez, which, you know, play, playing consistently, I think, helps, you know, raise your game. Gomez has had kind of a stuff start. Certainly with Everton, you know, he, he wasn't even really a season with us his first year, also, because he didn't play until October. Then he was kind of in and out of the team. He got overworked. And then I think he got a stupid ban at the end. And he came back and didn't look fit. Then he got the injury for you know, three or four months or whatever. Now he's back again. And even still, you know, he's had the odd knocks and niggles and things like that. So he hasn't been able to, like, get a run of games going more. I think Sigerson has had probably more longevity because he's just kept, you know, he's kept fit and he's kept injury-free the whole time. So I don't necessarily think it's anything Gomez has done. I just think it's... It's really unfortunate on Gomez's part that he's had such a kind of stop start time with Evan. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you break this year off uh, in itself, obviously, I think obviously you can, you would make the case that Gilfi has produced, um, you know, in the form of goals and assists and whatnot, whereas as Gomez hasn't done much, but I, I understand what you're saying in, in the grand scheme of things. And, and a, as a big picture type of thing, since his career started, it's, it's been very stop start and, and, you know, makes you wonder what would happen, what would have happened if he didn't get that injury. And, and if he might've still been able to carry that same pace and explosiveness that we were talking about. But um, another player who, who um, <laughs> is back from injury, I guess you could say, uh, well, he is back from injury. Um, uh, Luca Dean played left back as we mentioned um he was you know he was solid but you know still maybe looking a little bit you know like he wasn't ready to play was he Matthew was he, he prematurely brought back was 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 this maybe uh, a lot for him or, or was it um you know obviously just the, the the fatigue of not playing in six seven weeks I think so I mean like I said I think I think it was good that he played this game rather than going straight back into a much more, I'll say much more high stakes, but every game is high stakes. You know, a, a more demanding, I guess, Premier League game. Um, having said that, yeah, he didn't look ready at all, did he? Because he got, he got slaughtered by that on a Sunday, time after time. Didn't really offer much going forward either, so. But, USA, you know, I, USA, USA. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I am loath to be too critical of a player who's had an ankle ligament injury and not played for six weeks, though. So I think he maybe escapes more criticism than most for a bad performance just because of the caveats. Um, but he, he clearly didn't look a player that was 100%. Maybe, maybe nine, what did he play, 120 minutes in the end? Maybe, um, maybe that'll do him good no, um, well, just to get that back in the system. Well, and Kunku came Did on. So I, th- I, th- I think. Oh yeah, he, sorry. I think he probably played what the ninety or something like that. Maybe. Ninety-five, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do him good. Um, and I think he'll only get better, won't he? I mean, it's hard to complain about Luca Dean the way he's played this season. So, 
and, and, him one body. and how quickly he came back, of course, <laughs> considering yeah, how yeah. long he was supposed to be out. Um, Brian, your opinions on Dean? Well, Matt, you made the point, you know, if you're going to, if you want to play him against Wolves and you're going to face Adama Traore possibly <laughs> or somebody like that, you, you're going to need, you know, and, and because of his importance and of Richarlison, I would say him, Richarlison, and a, a Calvert-Lewin, and, and, you know, the Allen DeCore, you know, those are players that, you know, we even saw him in basically, you know, I do, do I think Carlo Ancelotti would have wanted to play Yamez as long as he did yesterday? You know, maybe not, but, you know, does that, you know, does he turn around and play the full 90 against Wolves? We'll see. Um but I, I was okay with Luka Deans. I was more surprised that 60-65 and obviously circumstances dictate um, wasn't kind of the hook no matter what. But that's where, you know, you, you add in the excitement of, of cup advancements because we're really only five or six matches away from winning a cup. You know, it's it's a lot, but, you know, what are we in, the, the fourth round now? So fourth round, yeah. 16, eight, you know, so – you're five, you're six matches away. If if we were six matches away at the end of the season for the Premier League title, you'd take in a heartbeat, right? So you're in that position, you know, you're yeah, only yeah. eight matches every year. And so, um, you know, I, it, it's tough to take, you know, the, the importance was obviously there. And and I can't believe I'm going to say this. How about our depth at center back, huh? Like, <laughs> remember when we used to just, like, never have center backs when, like, when it was like, oh, my God, is Jordan Pickford going to play center back this weekend? Because it's so – you know, and now, like – but that ability, you know, that, that saved us. You know, Godfrey, Godfrey's ability at center back, you know, say, and the ability to bring in, um, you know, uh, Amina to help see out a match, uh, things like that. Like, it, that's where you saw us be able to rely on the places where we do have depth. And then even again, in Cuckoo, that's trust to me. To bring you in in a defensive position with 25 minutes left and, you know, in a lead, again, in an advancement of a cup, like, for all the people at Howell about how he should play more, I think Carlo Ancelotti is giving him really good tastes of things, you know, and when he's in a pinch, he's trusted him. You know, when he's literally had no choice, he's been like, all right, here you go. So it's not, you know, and so basically the longer Fabian Delft stays injured, the better for our, you know, Everton. Bless his heart. I don't want him, like, hurt. I just, you know, not in the way. (laughs) <laughs> not cluttering the space. I, think, I wonder if Dean would have gone off, like Brian said, like 60, 65, if the game was already out of sight by then. I, wonder I, if it just I, I think so. I, I think you would have probably not seen as many of the players who started. Like, I think Hamas probably would have came off. Dean probably wouldn't have played the whole game. Um, You know, I don't know, maybe, maybe a swap at – you know, center back just to give Godfrey some time because he's been playing nonstop. Like, I feel like you would have seen some of the more regular players come off just because um, if it was like, say, three, four, nothing at, at half or something like that, you know. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll never know. So <laughs> um, we've talked a lot about Nkunku and, and Gordon. Um, you know, we talked about Brian, you just talked about his their, uh, Carlos Trust and Nkunku. What do you think of these two guys' performances yesterday? Obviously, getting Gordon getting kind of the first half, getting a little bit towards the end. What'd you think? Um, you know, Gordon showed flashes. I think he had a, you know, he, he helped create the goal. You know, the, that was that kind of turn that we were talking about. The ability to haul off players, separate, and then make the pass. You know, he did exactly the thing that we've struggled to do 
even though he's not playing from a central position, he's a little, he, you know, he's, he's is obviously given the, the freedom much like Richarlison to kind of float inside. So, um, you know, from that aspect, that was great. Um, it's, it, it's maybe hard to, to fault him for, for too much more. Um, you, I, you, you wish he could have been a little bit more, uh, you know, you hate to make the comparison, but you're playing the same position for the same professional soccer team. You want to see him do things like Richarlison does when he's in form, which is, man, we're not doing great. Calvert-Lewin holds it up, finds that ball to his feet, and he carries for 30 yards while we kind of move up as a squad, if you will. And, you know, Gordon did it in a couple areas. Um, you know, but but he's, again, he's somebody who I think it, it's hard to complain about the minutes that he's getting. You know, B- Bernard and him, you know <laughs> – Bernard, I feel like, has been so close, you know, is so close to having been much more of an impactful sub. You know, he had a couple, I think it's the second time, like, he's hit the bar um, or the the woodwork, and I think there was a really nice save in his last, you know, so he, he's been consistently kind of doing that, I think, a little better. So I'm, I'm happy with where Gordon is, and we'll maybe get a better idea of how much trust is there as we get into, um, you know, the later rounds, and especially when it takes form and uh, what does the league look like. You know, are we genuinely battling for a, for a European spot? Um, and then, uh, because then, and really, how does, that, how does that issue resolve itself? Because all of a sudden, that adds a lot of games to your schedule. You know, and then somebody like Gordon and Cuckoo become, you don't have a, cha- you don't have a choice against Rotherham. You have to play, you know, those, those players. And so, there's a lot of dynamics, but so far I've been happy. And Cuckoo came on and did what you expected him. He did what a lot of other players didn't do, which is you said, man, he looked like a professional, a Premier League player playing against a bad second division opponent, right? You didn't think that about Davies. You didn't think that about, you know, really many other players. And you thought, and again, the end of a performance, I'm sure those guys are tired, but still. <laughs> if you can't say, if he didn't score a goal or anything, he did what he, otherwise he did exactly what you would hope he would do. Hey, come on, make some overlapping runs and pin the back a little bit, you know, and he showed that um, a, a little bit. And so also shows the trust, again, going back to the center back thing, you, ha- you can only trust your center backs if you want to do that late in the game. Like I felt like we actually got a little bit more mm-hmm. offensive late in the game, if you will, and started to kind of to um, try to make those runs again as people like Dean ran out of gas. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it'll be, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk more about Wolves I know later, so that'll be an interesting. Matthew? I thought Gordon started really well. I thought he was probably our best player for the first 10, 20 minutes. Uh, made one nice run at the start and then did well to kind of cut Rotherham open and assist uh, Tozen's goal. Um, but I think you can also see maybe why Chelsea doesn't trust him entirely yet. Because if he kind of fade out of that game, which was a game we look at and think that's one where, you know, if he is as... As uh, as good as well, not as good, but as, as if he has as much potential as as you hope he have, and he, he can be, you know, as good a player as you hope he can be, he should be dominating that game, and you know, be at the centre of everything Everton do from an attacking sense. Um, and he did just kind of drift away, but then I guess so did the whole team, so it's kind of hard to single him out. I think he's someone who'll get better when he physically matures as well as you know gets more game time. And Kunku, yeah, I mean Kunku. Something better than Dean at left back, wasn't he? So um, I feel a bit sorry for Nkunku because every time he played, apart from maybe the Newcastle game where, again, everyone had a bad game pretty much. Um, he's done nothing wrong, has he? And, yeah, 
it's certainly not, not a case of Ancelotti not trusting young players. I think because, like you know, Brian said, he, he gives he has a lot of faith in players like him and Gordon. It cup conversations. And also, you think last season with like Branthwaite, for example, you know, Branthwaite came in at centre half when we had no other fit centre half right at the end of the season. Whereas, you know, when we have no other fit left backs, and Kunku doesn't come in. So, whether Ancelotti just thinks he's not ready for the Premier League, which maybe isn't a terrible assumption to make considering he's barely played senior football in his career so far. Um, whether that's the case, I don't know, but. He can't do much more than play the way he has done when he's been given the chance. So um, I was I was impressed by him yesterday, even if it was only twenty five minutes. Well, we also not not to just to to muddle the conversation, but you know we're only probably a a, a year away from Thierry Small, you know, who's in legitimately yeah. one of the you know, arguably the, and I'm not just trying to complain, but just by. Uh, how everybody has talked about and how he's rated as somebody who it will will we're either going to give him a chance or we're going to lose him kind of player. So I'm going to assume that he's Carlo has already. I know that he's. We obviously know that he's been brought into to senior training at times. Um, you know, but we're gonna we're gonna start to compact, and all of a sudden you look at those options. Do you cash in on somebody, and who do you cash in on? You know, those decisions will have to be made, and. And again, having through, I know it seems like you're project, I'm projecting far, but when you look at contracts and things, you know, this, this is why the Luca Dean contract is important. Then it gives you that more time to kind of make that decision. You don't have to make that decision in a year on a Terry Small. But if Nkuku does well and starts to build it up, but you've still got Luca Dean for a few seasons and Terry Small is legitimate, you know, so it, it's, it's really, uh, he's part of the project. That's all I can say. You know, there are a lot of, <laughs> Gordon is not Yannick Bellassi, put it that way. You know, these guys are obviously – Carlo Angelotti has been around no, – and I mean that as in Carlo Angelotti has been around for a year. He's not new to our – he's seen everybody. He's seen how they operate professionally. He's seen them – you know, there was obviously a break in there, but he's seen how people go about their business. He obviously doesn't trust like somebody like Yannick Bellassi to engage the right back for Rotherham for 30 minutes, you know, so – to say that they haven't gained his trust that, you know, and I'm not saying anybody here, but you know, that I think that's a, a, a too big of a statement to make, you know, he's bringing them in in games. He's starting them in games that are important. You know, the next step will be important when, when we decide, are we going to sell Richarlison in two seasons because has Gordon become, you know, not Richard, but somebody we can move in there. You know, those, those are those things that we have to start to decide or else you have them hang around too long, like Tom Davies. And then they have no value whatsoever, except as a player to throw in, because now the jig's up. It's not like we can be like, oh, we don't want to lose them. They're like, no, seriously, you guys kind of just like throw them in here and there. Like, we'll just wait for, you know, so it, it, those decisions, better organizations make those decisions earlier and make proactive decisions and cash in on players when they're at the peak, right? Because if Nkuku goes and gets an eight-game stretch and gets shown out the door, <laughs> because, you know, so anyway, just looking at, their playing time and decisions that I have to make. I think we're going to come into the next six months and see a lot of decisions be made by the playing time and by, you know, sales that sales that are made. And, and I think that will really show to the trust that he has in those young guys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in terms of Gordon, I think you're right. I think Gordon um, definitely, I think he had, he had a couple really good spurts. Obviously the assist was really good. He had a, 
a play where he, he took the ball down the left side and then cut inside a couple times and then took a shot that unfortunately got blocked. Um, so there was, there was good signs there for Gordon just um, need a little bit more consistency from beginning to end of his match. I don't think he's played even when he started, I don't think he's played the full 90 yet. So um, obviously that's something to look at as well, trying to build that up and get trust to at least just to play the full 90 uh, on Nkunku. I think Nkunku is done. Like you said, it, there's nothing in a situation like yesterday where he comes in in the 95th minute. There's nothing Nkunku can do about the fact that he's in the 95th minute and he's a fresh player against tired legs. Like the only thing he can do is go out there and play as well as he can play. And I think he did that. And obviously we're looking at this against lower competition, but he, you know, that's important for him. You know, if, you know, the, the, you know, Andre Gomish is the Tom Davies aren't play, even playing well against the lower competition. So um, for Nkunku to do that, obviously, is a big thing for his um, progression moving forward as well. And I, I think that those two have, have good futures. It's just going to be you know, a little bit longer before we start to see them maybe get more regular appearances um, in the first just team. Just a, a quick comparison. Yeah. John Joe Kenny. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, I, you know, John Joe Kenny's had his... Right, but yeah. he's seen him now for how long? And yeah. it seems like Carlos kind of made that decision, again, as we talked about making the decision. And and I think that um, the thing about Nkuku is that he fits our style well. You know, he gets forward, you know, the ability to have that dynamic. He, you know, not only is he a good player, he's a good player that, you know, he's not some six-foot-eight forward that lumbers around that doesn't fit us. He's a yeah. player who, who suits into what we do. So, again, yeah. John Joe Kenny – anybody's seen him just let me know <laughs> yeah but exactly I mean you know essentially Carlos had the same amount of time to look at John Joe Kenny as he had um and Kunku because that Kenny was at Schalke last year so um you know he really didn't get to see him before this season and and him coming back from Schalke so um you know they've had the same amount of time to prove themselves and clearly and Kunku is doing something right um you know, to get that time and, and get some opportunities in these games. Um, just last thing here, the FA Cup fourth and fifth round draw is, uh, they're both on Monday. I mean, any preferences, Matthew, any preferences in terms of what you'd like to see from this? I think, you know, a side that's not in the Premier League would be ideal, but then again. One at home. <laughs> no, I well, no, not really. I quite like a Premier League team just because I think we get too complacent against. Yeah, that's fair. You know, teams we should be so as long as it's not Liverpool, I don't mind. But I think maybe a Premier League game wouldn't be Premier League team wouldn't be too uh, treacherous considering we we seem to play better. That we seem to play better the better the opposition is, if you know what I mean. So as long as it's not Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool aside anyway. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, I think I'd like to be at home. I know home advantage is kind of eroded at the moment, but I think in my mind anyway, it still makes a difference. So. Um, yeah, I'm not really fussed as long as it's not Liverpool. Brian, how about you? I will take Chorley or Chetland Town, please. (laughs) 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 I am. Give me the lowest. Hey, I mean, I I do actually, you know, I actually nodded my head as Matthew was talking because that's a fine line, but there's, you know, those teams even can, you know, like, uh, it was still a championship team we were playing, you know, that I, I know that they're having a poor season, but 
they're still a championship team. I will take anybody below that because, again, at that point, you have to genuinely expect like a, okay, in Cuckoo, here's 90 minutes, you know, because we've got a lot of premier, you know, that. Yeah. So I guess maybe that's my other motivation, you know, is that it would be a true opportunity. I don't really want to, I don't want to play Norwich. I don't want to play Swansea. I don't want to play one of those teams where it's like, <laughs> do you start on great goals? of Everton that. <laughs> Right, yeah, just has like set piece fallacy written all over. Yeah, yeah like uh-huh. that's the fact that you feel like just has the script written. So, um, you know, but obviously not Liverpool and not a Chelsea, those kind of things. But you know, yeah, you got to you got to win the games. You know, there's only 32 teams left, so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, eventually we're gonna have to play those teams. So eventually you're gonna have to beat them to win the cup. So we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. Obviously, again, um, the podcast will be be out monday i believe um so we won't know the results but um but hopefully you know hope just hopefully a good draw for for the toffees um as we look to kind of move forward in this in this competition just a couple things to look at from pete's five telling stats that he wrote up this week blues dominate we dominated possession 65 35 uh didn't create too much though comparison from that first 10 minutes we were talking about before the goal was scored everton shot four times rotherham zero um, and then the last 35 minutes of the first half, Rotherham had eight shots to Everton's one. Um, Tosun, obviously, congratulations to him on scoring his first goal in 432 days for the club, which is um, obviously a good thing for him. And, and maybe he can, you know, if he's going to be the second striker for the rest of the season, maybe he can get something going there, um, get a couple goals off the bench. Um, good for Gordon again, as we mentioned, getting an assist. He bagged an assist um, in every cup appearance this season so far. So as we talked about, you know, Gordon making, doing the most he can to make the most of the um, appearances he has just needs a a little bit more time out there. Obviously we talked about in Kunku. And then this is just, this is just the second time in five years that Everton have made it into the fourth round of the FA cup. So um, let's hope it means good stuff for us moving forward. Um, We're going to take a quick break, uh, but after that, we'll talk a little bit about some Everton news going on uh, in the Everton realm. All right, we're back and talking a little bit of Everton news uh, off the pitch, or I guess on the pitch in some senses too. Uh, Moise Keane, he's got nine goals now in 14 league games for PSG. Uh, He scored this weekend in their 3-0 win over Brest. The reports are PSG will make an offer uh, to buy of about 31 million pounds. The question now becomes, and Matthew, we'll start with you. Are you uh, accepting that or rejecting that? I don't know whether I've accepted 31, but I would probably sell him though. Because I think, I think Ancelotti admitted, didn't he, that Keane was the one driving the loan move in the first place. It wasn't Evan wanting him to go out where he was key wanting to leave. So that, that that to me would say, I mean, things can change, but that to me would say that he's not particularly intent on playing for Everton. And if that is the case, then I don't see the point in keeping him at the club, especially if he's not going to be happy, he's not going to play well, he's not going to score as many goals as he probably is at PSG. And if we can, you know, recoup what we spent on him and more, then good business from that point of view. I just I don't see Moise Keane playing for Everton again, so I think 
Um, we should probably love to sell, but then I, I wonder if, you know, the more goals he scores, the more money you can get out of PSG for him. But I would, I would, I would, I wouldn't put him up for sale. I just think he's, he's not, not going to play for us again. I don't think so. Um, I would certainly listen to offers put it that way. Brian? Yeah, I, um, you know, I think that number is about getting to the line where if we brought him back, the thing is, while he's he's out having a great season, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is establishing himself as, you know, a lion leader in the Premier League, which is something that, which is, you know, I'm not here to pick on the French League. I'm just here to point out that the defending is better and, you know, it's more competitive, you know, mm-hmm. that that's a, and and so you have one player who's proved it, and like Matthew mentioned, so is he going to be happy to come back and pick that up and, and be a lone a backup, if you will? So, um, I, you know, do you do you loan him out again and try to drive that price up even more? You know, hey PSG, okay, do a loan to buy deal with certain markers in it. Um. Because it feels like 31 is a good number. It's good business. You make your money back. But, man, it'd be really, you know, in, in three seasons if – or two seasons if he's down at PSG and he's worth a bundle more. And if we could have held on for a little bit longer, maybe we could have. So, but I, I, it just doesn't seem to have, a, you know, a, a style that fit. Um, and it's just – frankly, you just have to – you know, I'm a big fan of, like, go by what happened. We let him leap. So something's there, you know, he was obviously lined up to basically be the backup striker and he left. So there's some discord there. I say we sell him, and with good business, you can turn that into a couple pretty, you know, uh, 31 million gets you um, a lot of good midfielder. Just ask Allen and Decora and those guys, you know, that's, that's a good bit of change if it's used correctly. So. Yeah, I think with, with Keen, you made all of the, the good points there. Um, it, I just can't see him coming back and playing a backup role. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, the thing with him is just, you know, everybody's like, oh, we should bring him back. We should, you know, it's, it's, he's not going to want to sit on the bench, especially after playing significant time for PSG. Um, and he's not, we're not sure if he's, he's not Premier League proven. Let's just put it that way. Yes, he scored in the in Serie A. Yes, he scored uh, for PSG in, in the French League. But he hasn't done it in the Premier League yet. And granted, he hasn't gotten too many opportunities um, other than coming off the bench. Um, you know, but he had, you know, he was the guy. He was the guy who was going to be that backup striker. And for some, you know, <laughs> and knowingly with just Chang Tosun as the backup, other backup striker, they let him go to PSG. So, like you said, Brian, there there might be something there. Um, I think it's probably getting around that time. You know, I, I think if, you know, he's going to be there for the rest of the year. If he keeps scoring goals, I don't see any reason why the number can't go up before the end of the season. Um, and then I think you probably you probably want to sell him at that point. Because, I mean, who knows? I mean, right now he's obviously scoring, but, you know, who, who knows what can happen next season and whatnot. And, um, you know, if you're going to, if you're getting a, an offer, that's going to be a good profit for you. And, um, like you said, make your money back. Uh, that's a hard thing to do when, when you know, the guy's just going to come in and sit on your bench for, for really the, 
the rest of the, the season behind Kevin Lewin. Um, the, the, only, the only caveat I'll add is if we somehow find ourselves in Champions League, you know, if yeah. we finish and we have legitimate games to offer, you know, and I know then you can look at, well, do, can we turn 31 million into more players? But then we can, you know, we can say, you know, he has scored. He, he's got almost a, a one expected goal average in the Champions League so far. So he's, yeah. you know. He, well, and the other thing I is. I know he's playing on a PSG team, but he, he is, you know, so that's the only caveat I'll get. I don't I think if we play Europa League, you still sell him. But if we find ourselves stumbling into Champions League, which I don't know if I really even want that, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I could use some joy in my life after 2020, so I guess I'll take it. But, like, you know. Yeah, if we stumble into Champions League somehow, somehow find our, ourselves in that top four, which, you know, it, it's right now we're, we're dwindling around there. Like, we're kind of hanging around. Um, you know, then I think you're right. I think that 31 million pounds, you know, we're going to probably sell more Deadwood in the – off season, will it make us 31 million pounds? Probably not. We probably won't get 31 million pounds from that, but we will probably in the end get some money recuperated from that. Obviously, um, Moshiri putting more money in, you'll get money from TV rights and stuff like that for Champions League. So if we didn't sell him because of Champions League, the money would be coming out from elsewhere and we'd be able to um, afford those other players, I think. So I think you're right. In a Champions League situation, that's the only way I can see us not selling him. Um, but also that's the only way I can see him, you know, wanting to come back and join a club, uh, join our club is if he sees the opportunity to get meaningful minutes and meaningful games, because he's either playing in the champions league or the premier league, which are both, um, you know, good opportunities for him. Um, another player linked with a move away from Everton. We talked about him a little bit. Um, Bernard has been linked with a move to Roma in a swap deal with Olsen. Uh, Brian, we'll go right back to you. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, I feel, you know, my, my, my initial reaction would be Bernard, we can get more before Bernard than we should pay for Olsen, but we've almost painted ourselves into a corner when you give him enough opportunities and he's played well and they say, well, look, you're playing him and you know, he's part of your goalkeeper rotation. You didn't take him on and sit him on the bench and throw him in against just Rotherham. He's, he's had more opportunities. Um, we, we had a chat. We mentioned in the chat yesterday, uh, Matthew and I kind of agreed that Olsen has so much better body language, though, than Pickford. Like, he just looks like he's been there before, right? He's caught, it doesn't mean he doesn't make mistakes, but it's just like that youthful enthusiasm of Jordan Pickford has kind of developed into, like, the skittish, experienced guy. You know, whereas Olsen – at least seems calmer. He, he's a bit, he's pretty decisive off his line. There was one or two instances where, you know, it looked like we were going to need some heavy shielding or, you know, just a, a ball out maybe for a corner and he was off his line fast enough. Um, you know, it, but uh, Bernard, this is, this again ties into, do they think Gordon can, can be a rotation player out wide with three or four players? Then yeah, sell him and goodness sakes, let's buy another central midfielder. Right. Um, and uh, so we'll uh, – yeah. but, but my initial reaction, again, is like Bernard has more value somewhere else than he does to us, but maybe that's not true. Uh, maybe I'm just thinking that in my head. Um, you know, he's, he's done well. You know, there's been nothing that uh, – he's escaped one or two odd instances. So yeah. um, I guess I take it because then we'd have two decent – you know, we'd have two competitive keepers. And then we, 
that's a position that we're lacking genuine competition at. So, um, and then you could sell Jordan Pickford for like, you know, to some like crazy English team who just wants, you know, the English goalkeeper. Um, and then, you know, have Olsen as your starter and sort of bring through, you know, a, a job, you know, this Virginia, you know, job Virginia to see develop, you know, those kind of players. So um, I guess I take it so that we have actual genuine depth at goalkeeper. Yeah, I think if they do let go of Bernard, it definitely tells you a lot about what they think of Gordon. Um, Matthew, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, I would definitely buy Olsen. I think Olsen's done enough to make his case. Um, and I think on paper it makes it makes sense if, if Rome want Bernard. Uh, I just don't know when you ever see these like swap deals happen in football, really. And they happen on like FIFA and football manager and things like that. But in real life, do you really ever see like one player go one club and the other player go the other club with no kind of the you know in, in one Barca in one and Juve did it this year with Pjanic and um, Archer, right? Pjanic and yeah, they they and the, got, the only the one I can think of is right. The only the one I can think of is Mkhitaryan and. Sanchez, that was a disaster. No, but but usually those even have like the underwritten, like because they yeah. trade. But yeah, I'm I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are few. I think I think I like Bernard. I, I I think he's a very talented footballer. I just don't know if he's physically up to it in the Premier League because of his lack of height. Um, and he's you know his wages and his sort of contributions do not really correlate with each other, do they? So. Um, so they can get also in in return, then that I think would be good business. But um, I'm just not sure if it's that likely. Because like I agree with Brian, I think we could get more money for Bernard and say Olsen in return, unless obviously we get money, we get cash plus Olsen. But... Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. You know, the only way the only way to make sense is for for like a cash plus Olsen kind of swap deal thing. Um, other than that, it, it, you know. You know, I, we need to. I think. I think you're right. I think Olsen is is a good person to buy, but I, I think um, you know Bernard is probably worth more than worth more than Olsen. So it wouldn't be a straight swap if that was the case. Um, all right, well, that's really all the Everton news that's kind of bouncing around right now. Obviously, we'll keep you guys updated with each podcast as um, new news and new transfer news and whatnot becomes available. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, but after that, we will preview uh, both the Wolves and the Villa matches. All right, we're back, and um, like I said, we're going to preview these Wolves and Villa matches. Uh, the first one will be Wolves on Tuesday, January 12th, uh, 8.15 p.m. Uh, over in England, 3.15 p.m. here on the East Coast. Um, and then, of course, Villa will be t- taking place on Saturday, January 16th. Uh, that's a 5.30 game over in England, a 12.30 game here on the East Coast of America. Um it's worth bearing in mind that Villa game may not go ahead given their current uh, COVID-19 situation. They fielded a squad of teenagers versus Liverpool on Friday. Um, the isolation period lasts until late this week. So it'll be right up against that, um, that Villa match on Saturday. But let's talk about um, these both games kind of in, in tandem. Um, obviously, Wolves are 13th in the Premier League as of right now. Villa are in eighth place in the Premier League. Um, what are your? Let's start with Wolves, um, Matthew. What are your thoughts on Wolves so far this season? 
I don't know if they've gone backwards because of you know any any cha change of style or change of approach or anything, but you know they've really not as much of a force as they were last year or the year before they got promoted. But you know they've still got some very good players. Ruben Neves, obviously, very good midfielder. Jean Martino, I like Connor Cody. I think is a really underrated centre back and a good leader. Um, and I noticed that they've kind of veered away from their usual back three this season. Sometimes they played a back four, which I don't know how well it's worked for them. I, I, I've seen them play it once against Liverpool and they got battered 4-0. Um, and there seems to be also this kind of idea that, I, I, again, I don't know how it's true because I haven't seen loads of them, but that they're, they're quite defensive and they're quite negative in their approach now. I, think I have a friend who's a Man United fan who made that comment after they played in the other week. Um, but yeah, they absolutely battered Everton last season in the uh, in the sort of restart period. So I think it's a very hard game. I don't think it's as hard a game maybe as it would have been last season. Um, but I still think if we get a win here, then that's that's a really impressive result just because of it. they still have some quality players. Um, and you know, I think they're probably they're probably a team. I think they started last season badly as well, didn't they? Or not great. So. I think they're a team who probably gets better the more the season goes on, the more they, they find their rhythm. They're not particularly fast stars. Um, so just because like just because Raul Jimenez is injured and just because uh, Adama Traore kind of hasn't been on his best form lately doesn't mean that there's nothing to fear in this game. I think, still think it's a really tough game for Everton and, a real, maybe, and probably a, a good test of where they are because, like I said, last season they got battered 3-0 in this game. If they can come out with this result, then maybe that's another indication of the progress they've made in the last six months or so. Uh, Brian, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's just one of those teams that there's perception and then there's reality because, you know, because they're not living up to the standard that they set in the in a pretty tumultuous table, um, that they're having a poor season. But really, I mean, when you lose a striker like Jimenez, who's, you know, just so formative how you play, it's difficult to replace somebody like that. You know, um, their, their young, uh, their young striker. Fabio uh, Silva. Huh? Yeah. Silva. Yeah. Like, you know, he's, he's somebody they obviously brought in to kind of, to, to, to bed in slower. And so, you know, you look at, they had a tight loss to Man U, but they're coming off a win against Palace. They've gotten, you know, they drew Tottenham, they beat Chelsea. So it's not, as if they've had a horrible season, they just haven't put together the string of victories that frankly, who in the premier league is having a great season, if you will, you know, we're probably near the top of the list of teams that are pretty happy with what's going on as far as how, with you know, teams like that, that haven't separated, aren't having great seasons. And obviously we're having epically bad seasons at the other end. So I think, Wolves are exactly the type of team that Everton will punt like a 3-0 loss and just look completely confused against. If we can get an Allen back, that's massive. I don't know how much you know how much we'll be able to get out of him, but to me, he would he's a key. I mean, I know they have projected the 12th-ish as a game that he was hoping to have him back for um, initially. So, but again, he's he'll be coming back from a hamstring and. Without the core, or I'm sorry, you know, with the core then and Yamez back, um, what happens to Alex Obobi? You know, does he become a central player? Because you saw his importance 
the ability to beat people off the dribble. We just don't have a ton of it. As I mentioned, if you're not going to get it from the center midfield, you really need it from the wide, your wide players to beat lines. Um, and so um, uh, they're a terrible match. You know, they're the kind of game where people will be like, oh, Everton will win that one two to one. And, you know, we'll just, we'll come across looking very confused, but we're kind of now at that point in the season. I have no idea, you know, what the balance of the match will look like. But I think if we show up and we play our best, having Luca Dean and Coleman back to balance us back out and James and Richarlison to be able to come back centrally also helps cover up any weakness that we still may have in the center. So, and our guys got rest, right? Like we got through the Rotherham match, Calvert-Lewin's fresh, Richarlison's fresh. People are, you know, our, our attack should be raring and ready to go. So, and we'll really get to see who he wants to play at center back, right? Who does he yeah. think the best center backs are? I'm really excited. I'm genuinely excited to see who he chooses because we it, it's good competition there. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if he maybe he he is, you know, he he's got Holgate and Mina in for this one because he went with Godfrey and and Keane for the last one. Although he put in, you know, Mina half or uh, towards the end of that game, so we'll see definitely how the center backs play out. Uh, like you said, you know, Wolves is is that typical match that Everton, you know, it's just never good. It's not a good matchup, and um, they just, it, you know. Like like you said, it, they're not a bad team. They're not, you know, they ha- they're in thirteenth place, but they're playing like decent football. It's just that, you know, some things haven't bounced their way. So um, I, I think that'll definitely be um, an interesting matchup for us. Um, Villa, of course, are eighth in the Premier League. We don't really know what we're getting from them on Saturday if we do even play on Saturday. But Brian, we'll go back to you. What are your thoughts on this team and and kind of how things will will play out? They remind me a lot of Everton in that they've struck a really nice balance this season. Um, Douglas Louise in the middle of the field has really uh, given them the presence, you know, much like uh, uh, Alan. Adresa, yeah, Alan for us, but even, you know, Ghana Gay did for them years ago. Um, and it's allowed people like, you know, Grealish to be, who's a, you know, a nightmare. I mean, he's basically a Richarlison type player, you know, when you, when, if, how we how we choose to match up with him, um, you know who we who we basically put behind Coleman to to deal with that. Assuming that Grealish is out wide, and if not, if centrally, you know, is Allen back? Then that will be a lot of his duties. But um, uh, that that's a match where weirdly for a team who basically if they beat us, they you know draw even in points with us, and they still have a, a match in hand. Um, I, I feel like in some ways we the expectation that it's going to be a tough game will make us play better, I guess. I know that's a weird thing to feel, but like, you know, that it'll be a genuine toss up. And and sometimes we seem to play better in those matches than we do in these matches where we're not sure what we're going to get from a, from a, a wounded animal, you know, um, like who would be confident playing Sheffield United? I'm still not confident playing Sheffield United. That's all I have to say about how confident I would be against any team. But, uh, but I think we're a better matchup with Villa when we have all of our tools. And, and their center backs are prone to make mistakes. They're good, but, but Mings and those guys are, are still prone to, uh, to, you know, making those mistakes at key moments that Calvert-Lewin's uh, really good at uh, taking advantage of. Matthew, how about you? I think, I think Wolves are probably the, the better team. Like, I, I, I think Villa have started the season really well and have improved enormously on last year. But I still think I think Wolves will finish above Villa, put it that way. Um but 
And but you know, I think what Everton have to do if the series well top four or top six or Europa League or whatever is you've got to win. You've got to win these kind of games because um you know not only do you give yourself three more points but you 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 get you uh you put the you put the brakes on, on the other teams around you don't you so um I think I've certainly got to go out and go out and attack these games to try and win them. You know yeah. because Wolves yeah. and Villa are not some sort of unbeat, unbeatable, impenetrable teams, are they? Um, and like I said, if we're kind of putting out in a similar bracket to these teams, then they've got to go out and show why they're better than them. Um, and, you know, Everton are above these two teams in the league. I know Villa have played a few games less, but we should have enough quality to beat Wolves and Villa, really. No, yeah, I, I think that I guess they'd be a little bit more... I don't know why, I just looking at Villa and maybe just the situations they've been dealing with over the past few weeks, if that's, you know, if that game is played, I guess I'd feel maybe a tiny bit more confident well, against is, them. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Go ahead. I think the COVID thing will, see, I think this game will get called off if yeah. Villa can't feel the team. I don't think they'll have to play their kids again. Yeah. yeah. I feel a bit sorry for them. They had to against Liverpool. I don't know why. I'm pretty sure if that was a league game, it would have got called off. I don't know why it has to be any different for an FA Cup game. But yeah, um, I, I, my guess would be at at, at best just that, to keep the competition moving along. Maybe I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, if, but then I don't know if it's maybe an advantage to Everton if that game happens. But Villa haven't trained all week and haven't. You know, been, been in reality, it feels, <laughs> if this feels is fair, I know. Well, yeah. I mean, we said West Ham were a disadvantage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Two extra days rest, didn't we? We had to work out. Yeah, you made the the good point too. You know, we need to turn draws into wins. You know, you look at it. We have the second most. We're tied for the second most wins in the league right now. Like we've won as many matches as Liverpool. We've just turned in some really bad losses. So you know, to me, if we find ourselves in a tight situation. We need to pick up – that one point is huge, you know, because a team like Wolves, if Wolves beats us, they're four points behind us. You know, they're basically, to me, when you're four points within somebody, you know, you're just in the race with them, if you will. So, yeah. you know, turn it into a win. But if we're back on our heels, we can't give up the – we've had two – you know, the leads loss, you know, those, those types of losses where you just – you grind your teeth for 90 minutes. We need to make sure that we put in a – a positive performance. As I mentioned, we'll be fresh. I, I think we will. And by the way, like we're all talking about a team that's been like pretty good in the, like Everton, the last four games, we've won them. So like, let's keep it up guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, no. we are playing well in the league. So yeah. And, and, and getting players back where, you know, in those games, we didn't have some of those players. If Alan does make, make his way back in one of these games, at least. And again, having Dominic Calvert-Lewin fresh, not having him play for, a while is huge because you know it, it feels like forever since he's gotten a rest. Um, so um, that's definitely big too, and, and Richarlison as well. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, Brian, I know you mentioned that you think Dean will play in in these matches as as the left back. Uh, Matthew, do you feel the same way about that? No, I'm not sure. I think maybe maybe Godfrey's certainly for Wolves because if. Because of trial ring and because of how he can hurt you when he when he has a good day, I wonder whether it's sensible to throw Dean straight in against Wolves. I think you know we 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 defended so well in those like Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal games. Wolves 
maybe less of a test than that, but still, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty threatening on the day. So I, I wonder if Ancelotti will be inclined to to um, to pick a similarly defensive team, just because as well, and also like you could make a case for not playing Coleman because Coleman hasn't been particularly good when he's since since he's been injured, he hasn't really found his he rediscovered his early season form either. So you could play Holgate maybe at right back as well. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not against Dean playing because he's still our best left back by a mile, but I just think. Maybe you know, if we had like a, a more, you know, comfortable looking home game, then maybe. But um, Wolves away, I think maybe you could play Godfrey in that one. I'll, uh, I'll throw it out there that I think in one of these two matches, he's going to go with the back three. Um, just I hope not. Jesus, no. I know. Yeah, I'm just I'm throwing it out there. I'm just saying. I, listen, I you can hope not, but there's a lot of things I've hoped not that have happened, and I. I, I just wouldn't be surprised because look at a look at the uh, a Troyor lineup for example. You know they they've been playing a back four, um, and they have Semedo on that side, and they have a Triore on that side. So if you can have Godfrey hang out and with him having cover, be able to cheat to that side, and I I I think that's more likely if we don't see an Allen. If we have an Allen who can properly balance us and drop into that space between center backs then I think that's a – and be able to have Decore still tracking, I think that's a difference. I'm just saying that he has shown, you know, we're winning right now. But he's also – I think we'll tell a lot from the lineup. Like you said, does Dean come back in? Does Coleman come back in? Because Holgate and the, the Holgate and Godfrey and Mina and Keen, it's a solid back line. But does it work? Does it work when you have Richarlison and Yamez in there who kind of need those overlapping dangerous runs or else they're just going to be pegged? tight and you're they're going to find themselves either tracking back or Yamez is track <laughs> not tracking back so it's just a delicate balance I think a lot I genuinely think a lot depends on if Allen can be there as a centerpiece and allow us to have a single pivot in the midfield yeah the, the uh, team we played at last year was hilarious but I'm just looking at it in July um we played a back three then we had Keen, Mina and Dean in a back three um the wing backs were Walcott and Baines Anthony Gordon played as like a number 10 with Sigerton and Davies in midfield. Um, and then we brought on Coleman, who played centre-half. Branthwaite, who played centre-half. Um, so, you know, it could be worse, put it that way. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Long way in six months. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I know... It felt, I don't know if this is true, but it felt like the first time that Gabamon had been mentioned in any injury talk and when, when he was talking about um, who would be out for this past game. Is there any chance that Gabamon is back for either of these games, possibly on the bench as someone we could go to? Is he like, I don't feel like we haven't heard a lot about his injury recovery since that initial, yeah. the initial thing. It's got a bit quiet, hasn't it? Yeah. I don't think he'll start. I don't think he'll start either game, maybe on the bench, but. Maybe, I think he's still doing last game, or maybe the FA Cup game depends on who we've got in the fourth round. Yeah, I was gonna say, he hasn't shown up in any like the training photos that they've released. Mm-hmm. No, they said that he was gonna do the individual training. So my guess is he's probably somewhere near individual training because I think right at the turn of the new year, or maybe it was the Boxing Day press conference that Ancelotti said that he expected him in like mid January to yeah. like, or in two or three weeks to have him rejoin training. Um, again, just somebody you just have no idea about. You know, you look at Andre Gomes, except 
um, the difference is Gavabin's a mountain of a man who, <laughs> like, he genuinely, he's, you know, you forget how big he is. Like, he's, you know, he, he's a really big guy who plays forward facing and, you know, can give Allen a break if, uh, if he can yeah. recover something of his former self. So, yeah, no, absolutely. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see when he gets back, it, you know, what he can bring and maybe he can bring more of a uh, defensive presence to that, that kind of, you know, maybe like a CDM role um, there um, when he gets back and plays and gives some more options in the midfield. Um, from these two games, what is an acceptable point return for you guys? Matthew, I, I we'll start with you. Uh, four. How, how about you, Brian? Cool. Uh, I hate to agree, but yeah, I, I'm going to go four too. If we can come out here with a, a win and a draw on either one, I'll be very happy. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's again. I think we're all on the same page with that because that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, a win and a draw, I think, is is good. I, I think anything more is it would be great. Anything less is probably a little bit of a problem um, because we're letting one team who is behind us get three point or get you know a three point um, you know gain on us. So um, that would be. That would be uh, unfortunate, but I think um, four points is a good good estimate for that. Uh, predictions for each game. Let's start with the Wolves match. Matthew, we'll go to you first. Um, I think this will be the one that we draw. I think 1-1. One, one. Uh, Brian? I wish the teacher would have called on me first this time. Uh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree. Like, uh, I, I see uh, – I do see – I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. I think there's going to be more goals in there. I think that we'll, uh, we're susceptible to some of their uh, their movement. And, but I also think that we're going to be dynamic having everybody back. Yeah. Um, I think a draw probably – I believe you guys are right. I think a draw is probably in place for this one. Um, Brian, Villa match, what do you got? Hold on. Let me ask Matt what he has in the chat room. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, man, with Villa, uh, I, I'll, I'll go with a 1-0 victory because I think that – I wouldn't be surprised to see us in a more regimented defensive posture in the back four against Villa. Um, so I'll go, we, uh, we, we get the, uh, the shutout and we get the, the one Oh against them. Um, I will say two, one, just cause I think I, will, I would fancy Villa to score against us, but I can see maybe, maybe a late winner in this one. And also I think it's worth saying, that I think, these are two games where I think we need a big, big two big performances from Richarlison, who obviously we said it's been a bit flat lately. And yeah, this will be a really good week for him to to rediscover his best form. So hopefully he can get that winning goal maybe at Villa or at Wolves if he fancies. Yeah, I, I think we all have around the same thing. Um, I think we both we all have you know draw for for West or draw for Wolves, uh, win for Villa. Um, I'll go with – I think 2 ones probably right. I don't think – I can't see us going with getting a clean sheet, but I see us um, kind of pulling this one out. So, um, anything else you guys want to discuss before we, we hop off? Well, just – it's going to be interesting because that basically brings us – you know, it's – conceptualizing how long the season is is hard this year because we're yeah. still not even halfway yet. We're getting ready to get sure. halfway. But that really just means that the sprint at the end, you know, we're finishing really not that much later, um, you know, than 
So it's going to be really interesting to see how this, this sprint works out. Um, you know, and this will be a really launching point for me for that because again, six points and all of a sudden, um, you know, Europe becomes something that is a week long, you know, battle, which I hate to forecast it, but again, I'd be excited to be in a race for something, right? Like it'd be fun. I know like there's other things to talk about, but like, I want to win a cup, but like, Hey, we finished and they said you were good enough to do something. I know that there's bad things. But it's, it's getting to the middle of the season, but it's going to be interesting because that second half is going to be so compressed, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're actually, you know, those better teams, they're going to struggle maybe a little bit more than we've even seen so far. You know, the cities, et cetera, that have Champions League and Europa League. So I'm wondering now, be now nice. that I say it out loud, I don't want it. No. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to get to February and still have something to play for as well, for one? Yeah. Because, like, for how long has that not been the case? Yes. <laughs> Too many years. Yeah, that would be... Podcast interesting too, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. As opposed to, like, let's talk about the transfer market, guys. Yeah. We're going to finish no worse than 14th and no higher than 8th. Who do we <laughs> need to bring in? Yeah, no, it's going to be... Uh, it'll be nice if that's the case to talk about something that's, you know, a little bit, um, a little bit different this February. But... Um, that's all we got for you guys. That's it. Um, we will. Uh, we got obviously the Wolves game, and then the uh, Villa game next Saturday, hopefully, and then we'll be back the week uh, after that. Uh, Matthew, thank you as always for joining us. Brian, thank you for joining us this thank week. You. We love having you on. Um, A pleasure as always. Thank you guys. Yeah, and 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 to, to you guys out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for just staying with us and, um, you know, keep liking, commenting, subscribing, downloading, whatever you got to do. We love it and appreciate it. Uh, Thank you guys again. And we'll talk to you guys next week.